0: Cons jumping off by Chinese out
1: Welcome to Yarns at Yinhoo, a podcast about the fiber arts and other post-apocalyptic skills. Episode two twenty one. Words are birds. Sunday, April fourteenth, twenty nineteen. I'm your host, Sarah. You can find me on social media as Sarah Pomegranate. The Yarns at Yinhoo podcast has a Facebook page, and it's available on iTunes. Each time I record an episode, I post show notes, photographs, and links to things I talk about on my website, yarnsatyunhu.com. Today's episode features the following segments, news and events, the front porch, a review, and so forth, and off-the-shelf. Hello everyone and welcome. I'm coming to you from cloudy but very mild springtime in Delaware Water Gap, Pennsylvania. Yesterday I was so fortunate to be able to go to the Allentown Fiber Festival for a few hours. I met up with my friend Laura, Laura Knits, PA. Our usual pal for this festival, Amos G.W., Amy was not able to attend. Last year she was there with her daughter, Svea, and it was a chilly, chilly day in April when we visited the festival last year. This year it was steamy and hot. Amy could not join us, but my sister Laura and her husband John came out for a little bit. My first visit was to Megan of Distal Fink Fibers. I went there to drop off a booth sample and some printed patterns for a new hat design. It's called Distal Fink, and it's a design for a colorwork beanie and fingering weight yarn. The yarn I used is a collaboration between Megan and her parents of Mulberry Hill Farm. They have begun to have some farm yarns spun locally at Gertie Run Fiber Mill, and Megan is an amazing dyer and has been working on dyeing these naturally colored yarns. So I used a beautiful natural gray as well as mulberry, which is like a deep wine red, to knit my Booth sample. Both the yarn and Megan's affinity for The artwork, it's called Fractor, it's like the artwork of the Pennsylvania Dutch, were inspirations for this design. Distalfink is a term for a stylized goldfinch. It's also called a thistlefinch, and it features in the art on a lot of those hex signs that you see if you ever drive in Lancaster County. And it features in Fractor art. So it took me a very long time to work out this design. Um, I wanted a pair of goldfinch. And I wanted to incorporate some of the hearts and crosses and other kind of floral elements that you often find in this artwork of the landscape in them. Pennsylvania Dutch countryside. And it took quite a few tries, but I was able to uh, really work through of a large motif. It's a 52-stitch motif for this color work hat. And I was just so pleased. Megan and her dad, Sean, were at the booth and they were just thrilled with it. And I it seems like quite a few customers were taken with it as well. So that pattern is exclusive to their booth just for this weekend and then I will be putting that design on Ravelry for purchase on Monday, April 15th. If you aren't able to attend the Allentown Fiber Festival to pick up beautiful yarn for this hat, you might also visit their booth at Maryland Sheep and Wool Festival coming in a few weeks. They will be in barn 6 and they will have additional printed patterns on sale and like I said that will also be available for purchase on Ravelry. I'm so so pleased uh, to be able to put this design for a hat pattern out into the world after taking so long with the development, uh, and I have some folks to thank for their assistance with all of that. First, of course, Megan and her parents, Sean and Colleen, have just been wonderful collaborators, so generous and kind, and they're amazing people who are working on making truly quality products. Ellen Silva tech edits my patterns and gives really wonderful advice, tips, and suggestions. She's also amazingly quick and responsive. And I had three amazing, very highly capable and experienced test knitters on this project, and for that I am extremely grateful. They are Laura Gorton, Tracy Lenz, and Jane Shirley, and their feedback and their comments have been extremely helpful in the process of creating this pattern for you. The Allentown Fiber Festival seems to grow in the number and variety of vendors and become more popular with shoppers each year. It was pretty busy by the time 1 p.m. on Saturday rolled around. The venue is not one of my favorites. I'm starting to become less sensitive to the deficits of the venue when the vendors there are of such high quality and are so much fun to visit with and shop with. While at the festival, I made a few purchases. I purchased some yarn from Spencer Hill. She has a Harriet base with Blueface Lester and she uses botanical dyes to dye her yarn. Last year I bought a skein of yarn with the name Bruised Ego which was a mistake that she made while dyeing but resulted in a really beautiful color even though it wasn't what she was aiming for. And even though I have not knit that yarn, I did buy some additional yarn. It's kind of breaking my rule, I have to say. But she had some logwood dyed yarn, which she then put in an iron bath post-mordant, and it made a really wonderful moody gray that she called Stormy Weather. I bought two skeins of that to make another Bryce cardigan. This is something that I wear quite a bit. I have one in um, kind of like a pinkish purple color and I think that having one in a neutral gray would be a really great addition to my wardrobe. So I purchased two skeins which will be enough for that sweater. From Lisa of Fiber Nymph Dye Works I Purchased three skeins of her ridge top fingering. This is a no nylon, non superwash fingering weight yarn. She also has it in DK, and she brought sweater lots or large quantities to the festival. And uh, I really love the way this yarn dyes up. She was Lisa was explaining that it took her a while to really get the hang of how. The dyes reacted with this particular yarn because she's been dyeing with a lot of superwash yarns for a long time. And the non-superwash takes the dye in a very different way. Um, it has a tonal quality to it. And I went a little bit away from my comfort zone with my color purchase. Brick has a lot of coral tones and then a few more muted browns. Three skeins are enough to make the Hildebert shawl. This is a shawl that has been on my Make 9 list and I did not have yarn in my stash for this project. It pretty closely mimics the colors that the um, designer used to knit her shawl and I think it will be really beautiful. I had a lot of input from Lisa, my sister, and Laura while I was shopping in the booth, and even though I was tempted by the beautiful lavender color, I opted for the brick. I also made a purchase of some 100% European linen yarn in an undyed, natural, flaxen color. It's sort of like a dull gray-brown to make a linen top or t-shirt. This is something I've been wanting to do for a while and I've seen the linen yarn in the Yarn Dynamics booth at this festival quite a few times and I don't know why I had the impression that it was more expensive than it is. Um, I guess the skein put up looked small but the lace weight yarn is just very fine and a skein has a lot of yards even though it's not a great deal of weight. I've worked with flax and linen yarns but in a blend and so I'm curious to see how this lace weight 100% linen works up but I really would like to have a linen top for hot weather and something that will get softer with wear, all the wonderful things that people say about linen. And this has been on my list for quite some time. So I was really pleased to make that purchase and to understand what the Yarn Dynamic has to offer a little bit better because that could lead to some additional purchases in the future. I stopped by to see my friend Jen at the Turtle Maid Spindles booth. She makes um, printed um, spindles. She has knitty-knotties, all kinds of products for knitters that are made on a 3D printer. This time I picked up a few uh, small items. They are needle stoppers that you can stick on the end of your needle points. I picked up a few for myself and also something to go into the spirit basket at the knit local getaway that's coming up. This year I was very pleased to get through the winter with only one cold that lasted three days. And in part I attribute that to using the amazing elderberry syrup from Storm's End Homestead. I purchased some of this syrup last year at the festival. It's shelf-stable in a canning jar. I kept it on my pantry shelf until cold season rolled around in the fall. And then every time I felt... A little low, I felt like maybe some sniffles were coming on, I would mix three tablespoons of this syrup into some seltzer several times over the course of a few days and drink that up and I was able to really stave off colds for the most part when many of my students and colleagues reported coming down with colds over and over and over again this season. So I was sure to stock up again on their beautiful elderberry syrup. And what else? Oh, I purchased a basket from an outdoor vendor. I'm forgetting now the name of the vendor. But she had beautiful baskets, and while I love the round basket that I have and was sorely tempted to buy another one, I bought... A basket that's a little more narrow and has a a greater height and two handles. And I think that will be a really nice addition to my basket collection and super useful. And then I was able to tote all my purchases around in that basket. And finally, just before we left the festival, my sister Laura made a purchase of a Tunis pelt from Red Rope Farm. She's one of my favorite vendors at this festival because she brings beautiful soaps and handmade products, uh, fiber, as well as pelts from her animals. And I thought she had amazing prices on her pelts. So Laura picked up one of those and um, was given a tutorial on how to brush it. And she was also given information about where in Bucks County, which is near us in Pennsylvania, um, where in Bucks County she could have that pelt cleaned. So I thought that was really brilliant customer service, and uh, that's certainly on my radar for a pelt purchase in the future. I continue to offer my Venus and Cupid sock pattern at a $2 discount for the remainder of this weekend. If you are interested in using some of the yarn that I use to knit my sample socks, then you can head over to the Fiber Nymph Dye Works booth. Lisa is in the tent. There are vendors indoors, and then there's a tent outside. Lisa is in the tent pretty much right straight ahead when you walk in, and she has her ridge top fingering yarn there for purchase, and it's a really great pairing with this pattern. On the front porch is a project that I had not begun the last time I recorded a regular episode, but which is now nearly complete. I am working on the second sleeve of Ursa, and I hope to finish the knitting on this project this afternoon. Ursa is designed by Jacqueline C. Slack. It's a cropped sweater in a bulky weight yarn, so it's a really fast knit. It starts as a flat piece of knitting where you're working the back neck and doing sleeve and shoulder increases. And then the project is joined and knit in the round. Stitches are put on hold for sleeves. And the distinguishing detail is some brioche um, that forms an arrow in the front and on the back of the sweater. It's a super fun knit. I have found the instructions to be very clear, and Jacqueline has provided some video tutorials for the brioche stitch portion of this pattern, which seems daunting in the beginning because I just kind of seize up when I think brioche. I haven't done very much brioche knitting, but this very quickly became an intuitive part of the process. So much so that I even added some brioche detailing on the sleeves because I liked it so much and I tend to push up my sleeves. So I thought that would be really helpful to have that brioche ribbing around the cuff so that when I pushed it up, it would hold on my arm. So that's how intuitive the brioche became. I was starting to invent places to put it on the sweater after a while. The yarn I used is yarn that I had purchased last year at the Battenkill Fiber Mill. It's a beautiful... Uh, bulky, Aran weight yarn, and it's dyed. It's um, The yarn, I think, is um, has some natural color to it because it's quite heathered after dyeing in this beautiful mossy green color. It's soft, it's squishy, uh, but it doesn't feel heavy, and I really enjoy knitting with it. I thought that I would knit the Deschene, And the lace work, the lace panel in the front, looked really beautiful in this yarn. But the overall shape of the sweater needs a fabric with a lot more drape. And this just, it was not working in the pattern. And because I wanted to knit this yarn in advance of our upcoming Knit Local getaway, I was eager to cast on Ursa even though there has been discussion about a group cast-on at the retreat. So I thought about it and I decided that maybe it would be helpful to have a finished project at the retreat if folks were considering knitting this. And because I really wanted to use this yarn on a design that I would wear and that would work to Shane was just not working. And because... Mary Jean Packer has been posting photographs of yarn that will be available for purchase at her mill this year, and I am very eager to buy up more. So I wanted to work on a project that would use up this yarn, and I think URSA is really perfect. I knit this design on US size 9 needles. The pattern calls for 10 and a half. I tend to have a very loose gauge and so it is typical for me to go down needle sizes and I really like the fit I achieved. The only thing was that I really needed to add more rows because my row gauge on US 9 was significantly less. So I needed to add rows or rounds before I uh, put stitches on hold for the sleeves. I needed to add additional rounds before I started the brioche detailing on the front and the back in order to get the length that was specified in the pattern. That's something that I'm used to and it was really fine. And so far I can really recommend Ursa as a design. I think it's a fun knit. I think it's a fast knit. Um, It may not be practical once you finish it if you're in the northern hemisphere because it's knit in that bulky weight but I think you'll be really pleased once chilly weather comes along that you have this and actually maybe it would be a nice cropped sweater for chilly summer evenings over a sundress I'll have to experiment with how and uh, when I'm going to wear this sweater once again that's Ursa By Jacqueline C. Slack. In response to my review of the girlfriend leggings and sports bra, Melinda suggested that I may be interested in bras and underwear and other sort of foundation garments from. Booty B O O D Y. Booty is an Australian company and it has a North American website. I purchased three bras from Booty and I wish I had purchased some of the underwear because Maya gave it a pretty good review. So if I place another order, that may go on my list. But I have been in the market for some bras that are non-restrictive. I have a lot of limitations right now in what I can wear. And the products that Booty sells are remarkable in that they have no fasteners, binding, underwire, nothing. They are just smooth fabric shapers and they have bamboo fabric which has wonderful properties of being moisture wicking and antibacterial so really great for foundation garments i purchased two of the regular shapers and one of the padded shapers i purchased size medium and it's fine um I definitely don't have any slipping or anything like that, but I think if I were to make another purchase, I might see how the size large fits, because I could use a little more length in the straps, if anything. Um, These have been comfortable, soft, uh, really pleasant to wear, and I think they'll be really nice for warm weather wear. Because there's no weight to them. And the fabric breathes very beautifully. I do not find that they have a tremendous amount of support. I would not use these for running or jogging. I'm not doing any of that at the moment. But I don't think they would be appropriate for uh, physical activity like that. Uh, For me, they're more just under my regular clothing, and especially the regular shaper, the fabric is quite thin. So if that's a concern to you, you may want to try the padded shaper, which has a double thickness, and then there's also a removable, uh, very thin pad, so it could be like a t-shirt bra. I feel that the price is tremendous these were very affordable products and I also like that they were available in a quite a wide range of sizes and also nude was not just Caucasian nude but there were several flesh toned colors that would be really great for layering under clothing no matter what your skin tone and I admire a company that um, offers products in an array of colors that way. They also had standard black and white and have quite a range of things from bras, sports bras, there were leggings, the underwear, like I mentioned, I would like to try. So I really want to thank Melinda for suggesting this company, Booty, B-O-O-D-Y, and it's been uh, really fun to uh try out their products, and add to my sustainable wardrobe. I think I mentioned in a previous episode that I had worked with my mom on a pattern, a new look design for an unlined open front jacket. It's New Look 6397, and if you're familiar with the Wixton kimono, I think that's the most um, similar indie design with which you might be familiar. It's a very simple jacket shape. It kind of runs oversized. In fact, I thought the sizes for this pattern ran very large, and it has... Uh, kind of a shawl collar, very big patch pockets on the front, and some interesting design features in terms of how the piece is put together. Initially, I had helped my mom cut out one of these in a light, lightweight denim fabric, and then I traced the pattern in a much smaller size because my mom was really kind of overwhelmed with the sizing on this pattern. She made a medium and it was it's pretty big. So I used a, an extra small in the sleeve and then worked it up to a small through the body. I sewed my first jacket using a 100% European linen. It's a beautiful kind of open weave kind of linen in a stone color, very neutral. And I just followed the directions as written. I liked this so much and thought it would be such a versatile piece that I pulled out some other, I think this is a linen rayon blend. It has a lot more drape to it in black. And I made a few adjustments to the pattern I lengthened the pattern by two inches. So I lengthened the front pieces, the back, and also the shawl collar by two inches. And then I wanted to put a slant to the pockets. That's a feature of the Wixton kimono, and I really like that, so I wanted to kind of imitate that in this design. And so I sort of fiddled my way through how to put a slant on those pockets and still get a nice effect and follow the pattern directions. I also um, turned up the sleeve cuff quite a bit and experimented a little bit with how to finish off the sleeve. Thankfully, the fabrics I use stretch quite a bit because I neglected to account for the fact that If you take a really big hem on your sleeve, your fabric gets much narrower and then it doesn't line up very well with your sleeve and then it's hard to make everything lie flat. By putting my fists inside that sleeve and stretching it out quite a bit, I was able to make it work, but that's something that I will keep in mind for future pattern hacks is to remember to leave a little bit of width at the very end of the sleeve if you're going to fold it back a lot so that the width matches uh, the place where you're going to sew it together. Now I have two of these jackets and I am extremely happy with them. I see them getting a lot of wear and I see this pattern being something that I might pull out in the future and maybe fiddle with even little bit more to see if I can adjust the fit, maybe take a little bit of the extra width out of the back, um, maybe work on some embroidery for that front shawl collar. I think there's a lot that can be done with this very simple pattern and I'm really glad that my mother introduced it to me. I've been kind of reluctant to try patterns from like the big four, and really reliant on designs from independent designers. But it's interesting to work through the pattern directions. A lot of things are very different about these designs, and it was a really great learning experience. Another very recent make has been, yet again, the staple dress. You know, I love it. You know, I love my staple dress. I started thinking about, hey, what if I made a staple dress with knit fabric? Turns out it's a really good idea. I have many iterations of the staple dress. I've traced off the pattern many different times. So I went back to the size small and I lengthened the front and back pieces by five inches, and then I cut some bands about an inch and a quarter to use as binding. And this dress came together so quickly. There are a couple of alterations that I may be making this afternoon, uh, but I see a lot more of these in my future. First of all, I can get one of these dresses out of a yard and a half of a beautiful organic knit fabric. Knit fabric comes in very wide sizes usually. This I think was a 62 inch width, so I'm able to fold both sides into the middle and get a whole dress out of that, even when I lengthened it quite a bit. Uh, The second thing is that you don't have to worry so much about edges or things like that and you can cut a much smaller size since the seam allowance is pretty small. I added a little bit of additional cut in the neckline. I seamed the two sides together. I seamed the shoulder seams. I kind of followed the directions of the staple dress for the shoulders and doubling up because there's a lot of weight from the entire dress that sort of rests on that shoulder. So I did a little bit of an enclosed seam for that and then I used these strips of fabric encased the edging of the neckline and the sleeves and just stitched around to enclose them and then the Knit Fabric does this wonderful rolling back. It's just amazing. Today I'm going to rework the hem. I did a traditional hem just kind of folding up the fabric and I really like the way those encased edges look. So I'm going to cut off the edge of the hem that I did and then use that same technique to encase Edge around the hemline. It's kind of dangerous how easy this was to work up in a knit fabric, and I think also my machine functioned so much better with a needle that's designed for knit fabrics. It's the first time I've used. I think it's called a ball needle. It is specifically designed so that it works easily with. A knit fabric and I, I really enjoyed how easily the needle punched through the fabric and how easy the stitching was. I find that my machine, which is a Janome 500 Sewist, works extraordinarily well for knits. It has a nice zigzag stitch, it has a really nice stretch stitch for straight seams, and I have also used the overedge foot and overedge stitch to seam knits together as well. So I'm really pleased with how well this machine, which is not, it's not an extraordinarily expensive machine, it's it's a great beginner apparel sewing machine, and I've been very pleased with how well it's worked on knits. And now that I'm sourcing um, organic knits I really feel that I'm adding to the durability and sustainability of my wardrobe and replacing some of those commercial things that after five years of no buying are truly starting to wear out and give up so that feels really good to be replacing things that I love in my wardrobe with me made pieces that are easy to wear and easy to care for. I know that it's recommended to pre-wash fabrics before cutting them out and sewing with them. But I have opted not to pre-wash knit fabrics. One thing that happens after washing is the curling up of these fabrics makes them really difficult to deal with. And I just find that if there's a little bit of shrinkage on the item after I wash it for the first time, it sort of shrinks into shape a little bit better. I don't make knitwear that's very close-fitting in the first place, so I feel like there's a little bit of leeway there. And it just makes the cutting out and sewing of the fabric so hassle-free because it really behaves much better with that sizing on it and before that pre-washing. I realize that this approach is highly unorthodox and ill-advised. I am not encouraging you to try it. All I'm saying is that foregoing the pre-wash on knit fabrics has made sewing with knits much easier and more pleasurable for me. And until it bites my butt, I think I'm going to stick with it. (laughs) April is National Poetry Month. Are you reading poetry? Are you subscribing to any blogs that offer poem a day or something like that? It's a really great way to celebrate April. It's a really... Wonderful way to welcome spring. Today I'm going to share a poem with you titled Words Are Birds. It's by Francisco Alarcón, and he is an American poet who was raised in Guadalajara, Mexico, and then he returned to the United States. He has collections of poetry for adults and children, and he I guess in his poems persists an interest in Mesoamerican history and culture. I discovered this poem and fell in love with it because it's so, so simple. There are very few words on any one line, and it references things with high degree of familiarity, which is one characteristic of poetry for children is that it's very accessible, and it should not be dismissed that this works in poetry for adults as well. One word, however, that I did not know was Quetzal. Quetzal bird. I looked this up, and it's a Extremely beautiful, exotic bird that lives in habitats uh, in Mexico through the Panama Peninsula. The coloration is extraordinarily vibrant. And it was really fun to learn about that new bird. If you can, look up an image of it online. Here's Words Are Birds by Francisco Alarcon. Words are birds that arrive with books and spring. They love clouds, the wind, and trees. Some words are messengers that come from far away, from distant lands. For them, there are no borders. Only stars, moon, and sun. Some words are familiar, like canaries. Other birds are exotic, like the Quetzal bird. Some can stand the cold. Others migrate with the sun to the south. Some words die, caged. They're difficult to translate. And others build nests, have chicks, warm them, feed them, teach them how to fly, and one day they go away in flocks. The letters on this page are the prints they leave by the sea.
0: Acorns jumping off my Chinese house. Play. It's a sweet so nature, nature, so nature, nature, a sweet nature thing. It's a mighty fine, a mighty fine nature thing. It's a mighty fine, a mighty fine nature thing. Bends like an elbow, turning stone to sand it's so we nature, sweet nature fits. let Bye.